This evening's reading is taken from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. And that can be found on page uh, 1061 in your church Bibles, or you can follow along on the screens behind. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those staying with them, assembled together, and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Thanks, Vicky. Um, my name's Stephen. I'm the youth minister at Bishop Arrington Church. Uh, and we're doing things a bit differently today. So we've got these three little reflections, sort of um, Easter nuggets to look at through, through our service to help us uh, it, it, like, like praise Jesus more and more. And the idea is like, Easter's like wearing a pair of sunglasses, right? You, you, you put them on, and suddenly everything seems tinted and looks different. But we're going to see how Easter makes us look at Jesus differently, makes us read the Bible differently, and makes us live our lives differently. And so, one place to start, obviously, with some Lego. Um, the natural starting place for all sermons. Uh, Lego is a fantastic thing. Uh, in 1958, they invented these bricks, as we have them today, and what an invention. Like, you can build it and make whatever you want, and it's so good for so many reasons. But, but, but it's really good for a sort of metaphor of our lives, isn't it? See, each of us is kind of building a, a Lego house life, where we place down bricks that we think are really important to us. 
So for lots of us, these kind of foundation bricks, those, those are like family and friends, like really important things in our lives. And then up above it, we've got like our, our hobbies, um, like foraging and crocheting and, and all these sort of things. And then our music taste around this side, like our 1970s power ballads around here, lovely. Our pets, like Blake and Callie, lovely. And because like you're here on Easter Sunday, probably for lots of you, um, Jesus is probably quite a big and important block on that Lego house, right? Taking pride of place up there. But, but I think Easter makes us see Jesus differently. And today, we're joining things on that first Easter Sunday, a bit later in the afternoon, um, with two disciples, one of them called Cleopas, the other one, we don't know their name, but they're there walking away from Jerusalem and to a place called Emmaus. In verse 14, there's only one thing really on their mind, isn't there? They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Disciples of Jesus, so they'd kind of been there. They'd seen him be arrested, heard about the trial, the suffering and the pain. They've probably seen him paraded, walking through the streets, carrying the cross. Uh, the, the, the crucifixion, they were there for that. And yet, that morning, they'd heard some weird and strange reports. People had gone to the tomb and found it, found it empty. And, and, and like verse 15, um, we can tell things got a bit heated because the word discussed there in verse 15 kind of uh, means debated, argued. So these two are like, like, like arguing about what's happened, like, like debating quite ferociously. No wonder a stranger kind of walks up to them and says, guys, are you okay? What, what, what are you chatting about? What's making you so like, um, heated? And, and it's there we see what emotion they're really feeling, verse 17. They stood still, their faces downcast. Like just burdened by grief and despair. Jesus is dead. And there's confusion mixed in there. But, but also, I think they feel a bit let down by Jesus. I mean, look at verse 19. They start talking about what's happened. They say, Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They had these high expectations for Jesus, that they thought he was going to be the one to bring in a brand new era of peace. They built him up and built him up, the son of God. And yet he's dead. And so it's like he's fallen down in their estimation. And now, verse 19 says, they think he's just a prophet. And they're right, aren't they? Like, if Jesus is in a tomb, um, dead, then he's nothing more than a prophet. Nothing more than another religious leader who, who, who appeared and then started a little revolution that fizzled out after his death. That's all he is if he's in that tomb. No wonder they're, they're in darkness and sadness. Yeah, I love the irony of Luke's gospel. <laughs> that, that like inches from their darkness, the light of the world is like walking with them. Like, like we know verse 15, we're letting this delicious secret that the man walking with them is Jesus himself. He's back from the tomb, his first post-resurrection appearance. He's there, alive. And because of that, well, Easter makes us like look at Jesus differently. In fact, the one thing that Jesus can't be, if he's standing there talking to Cleopas, is just another prophet. He he can't be a normal man. There's there's, there's just 
not open to us. I mean, it's right, isn't it? That's the reason why Christianity exploded after his death and resurrection and is now the largest religion in the world. Because he's back. Because the grave wasn't enough to hold him down. Because he lives. And so Easter makes us look at him differently. There's only two options available to us. On the one hand, this whole Christianity stuff, well, it could be made up, like a, a, a fiction, a story, and the 2.4 billion Christians alive today have got it all wrong. And hey, maybe you believe that. And if that's you, I just want to say to you, have you done the hard work? Like, have you actually investigated for yourself and looked into it? Because I think the more you look into it, the more you realize there's only one explanation. The other side. That, that, that Jesus, walking with Cleopas and this other disciple, is none other than, than the living God. The King of Kings, the Lord of life and death, who is back from the dead to reign supreme. Like Easter makes us look at him differently and see that he's more amazing, more beautiful than we ever dare dream. And so think back to our Lego houses, right? If that's true and Jesus is the one who's come out of the tomb, then, then surely he deserves kind of more of a prominent place, like, like, like the pinnacle of our building. He deserves more of a big place in our life. Well, maybe. But I think, actually, Jesus didn't go to the cross and out of the tomb to be another brick in our wall. I don't think Jesus has any interest in being just another part of our Lego buildings. See, I think Jesus went to the cross and out of the tomb because he's doing something spectacular. He's building a kingdom, an, an everlasting Lego masterpiece, if you will. And he wants us to be the bricks in his beautiful, stunning kingdom. And do you see how that changes everything? See, if we're bricks in his kingdom, in his everlasting project, then all our life is about all of him. Everything we've got is about making him look beautiful. Our voices, our time, our energy, our effort, our jobs, everything about him. Because we're part of his project. He doesn't fit into our lives like a prophet. He's the son of God who's back from the dead. Easter makes us look at him differently. He is awesome. On the screen. Does anyone, anyone know what this is? Yes, an Excel spreadsheet. Who uses these for work? Anyone like, invested deeply in these things? Or you're off for school? Oh, wow. This is a software on a computer that has some serious powers. Um, this thing can manipulate numbers. It, 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 it can do any kind of sum you want. All the A-level math sums can be done on that Excel stuff. And more. It can transform your numbers to letters. I know powerful stuff. And when I was younger, for fun, because I'm this kind of guy, I used to type in different formulas into the Excel formula bar. Yes, that's the kind of fun we have in the Demetrio house, sitting there typing them in, then press enter. And it's really fun to see what comes up. Here's what always came up for me. Hashtag value exclamation mark. Anyone else like used to seeing that? Yes. So frustrating. Hashtag value exclamation mark. But, but that basically means the formula I'm trying to put into that Excel thing does not compute, is impossible, is not logical, doesn't make sense. You cannot put that in that. And, and for first century Jews, the idea of, of a king of kings, the Messiah, 
and suffering and death, hashtag value exclamation mark, like, does not compute. They had absolutely no category, no understanding of a suffering Messiah that was not on their radar. And, and in fact, we kind of see that, don't we? Because Jesus has told the disciples over and over again in Luke's gospel, he's going to like, die, suffer. Three days later, he's going to rise again. And yet, at the tomb, no one's there to greet him with welcome banners and party, party streamers things. These disciples here, that they say, oh, it's three days since he died, and yet they're not expecting life now. They still think he's in death. It does not compute for them. <laughs> That's why they're so sad and down on this road, Cleopas and his friend. And yet, I love Jesus' counseling technique here. Check out verse 25. It's brilliant. How foolish you are. <laughs> it's probably said in a much, much kinder and calmer and more gentle voice. How foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. And then what does he do? In their deep darkness, he sends them deep into the word. That's often what God does, isn't it? In our deep darkness, he sends us deeper into the word. Verse 26, he says, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explains them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus, he starts doing the impossible Excel calculation. He starts putting together things that otherwise did not go together, making links here and there. He starts showing that this book is packed full of resurrection truth. In fact, the shape of the book is like a night tick, you know, down into suffering and up into glory. See, Easter makes us look at the Bible, read it differently. It's kind of like um, um, Agatha Christie. I love Agatha Christie, absolutely brilliant writer. And I started reading the Pyro books, fantastic. He's this det detective, Belgian detective, with a lovely moustache, absolutely on point. Um, and, 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 and these books, oh, stunning, but I'm reading them, and going through, I have no idea who the murderer is, who's stolen the diamond, whatever. I have no idea. I'm so lost. Until right at the end, Poirot gathers everybody in the living room with a fire crackling away. Everyone's sitting there. And he goes through clue by clue by clue. All these things that I've just looked over and missed. And he's like, that's important. That's important. And he shows how every single clue shows us the murderer. And then what, what, what do I do? I go back. I flick through the book. I flick through the book and read and look and... Oh, I'm so, how did I miss that? It's right there. See, God has placed resurrection clues in the Bible, hundreds of them all over the Old Testament, New Testament. And here, he gives Cleopas and his disciple a guided tour through these, oh, wow, wouldn't that be amazing to be there? To hear as he goes through Moses, that's the first five books of the Bible, showing how, how Jesus is, is right there, how he is right there. Easter makes us read the Bible differently. And think about how brilliant this is for us. This is really good news, right? Because Luke's kind of saying that all of this is about all of Jesus. In fact, he says it again in Luke 24, verse 45. It says the same thing, that all these scriptures are all about Jesus. And then again in the second volume, in Acts 17 and Acts 18, twice in both chapters, he says, all of this is about all of Jesus. It's one of the big things he wants to show us, that this book, the center, the heart of it is Jesus, a suffering and yet glorified risen Messiah. And it is really good news, because... Well, 
have you noticed how after the resurrection, no one seems to recognize Jesus? We heard it this morning with Mary. She thought he was a gardener. These two think he's a random stranger. Like, no one seems to get who Jesus is. I've heard it said to me that um, people say, if only I could, have, I could experience Jesus, then I'd believe. These guys had a face-to-face conversation with a living Jesus and still didn't believe. <laughs> In fact, verse 31 tells us how anyone, anyone believes. It's God-opening eyes. He's the one. Which is why it's so good we've got this. Because we don't need to experience Jesus to believe. We have literally all we need right in here because all of this is about all of Jesus. Easter makes us read the Bible differently. And actually, do you see the impact it has on these guys? Verse 32, it tells us. They say to each other, hey, God, hey, were not our hearts burning within us while he taught us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This book sets hearts alight because it's all about Jesus, the risen king who has conquered death. Easter makes us read the Bible differently. And, and, and like just two little things I want to just shout out about, and then we'll do some more singing. But um, I don't know where your heart's at at the moment. Maybe you're feeling quite cold and crusty in your Christian faith. Maybe you're feeling blazing hot and burning, or somewhere in the middle. That's probably where most of us are, right? We need this. This will turn a cold heart to a warm heart. This will keep the warm hearts blazing hot. And two little tips that, that I've been thinking through. One is to read, not scroll. Right? Phones have changed where we read, haven't they? I find myself on my phone like scrolling, 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 and reading articles, thinking I understood everything in the article, but never actually reading deeply, just going, Ee! And a few weeks ago, I realized I'd taken that into my Bible reading too. So in the morning, I'd sit there and I'd go, yep, yep, done. Scrolling. I was really challenged that actually here, it's the depth of Bible study that sets the hearts alight. So read deeply. Don't scroll. And the second thing, like little challenge, well, um, God has placed these little Easter clues all throughout the Bible, like, like Easter eggs dotted throughout the Old Testament. So why not this Easter try and do a little Easter egg hunt? Um, I've put some passages on the back of this, this newsletter. These are maybe some of the, the, the passages that Jesus opened with, with, with Cleopas and his mate. Why not have a go at looking at these? Seeing, seeing Jesus from a different angle, seeing him in the Old Testament, and marveling that he was there, that God's plan all along was for his son, his Messiah, to die on the cross and rise out of the grave and get your heart burning hot. Because all of this is about all of Jesus, the wonderful risen king. This might be a common experience for you, but when you go on a car journey, leaving from Hove, you get up to the M25, going on a long, long journey, you get up to the M25, feel like you've broken the back of the journey, feel like you're making some progress. And then, from the back seat, you hear, that, hear those words. I've left Walter Rabbit behind. Lizzie, you know. <laughs> I've left Walter Rabbit behind, or I've left my phone charger behind, or left my passport behind. In that moment, you start doing some mental maths, thinking, can we survive two weeks without Walter Rabbit, without the phone charge, without the passport? It's going to be... So frustrating, isn't it? Because in that moment, you drive a bit further, turn around at Cobham, and back you come all the way down, and it feels so frustrating, so pointless, you know, having made all that progress to have to go all the way back. We humans are going forward, not backwards. 
Don't like returning the same way we've been. Which is why verse 33 is kind of weird. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. I thought they'd, they'd just left Jerusalem. Seven miles, two and a half hours roughly walking. And, and they're going back? What? They're going back because Easter makes us live our lives differently. Um, these two, they're starting to warm to their newfound friend. Uh, and as they're walking along, they're starting to, to, get, to like him a little bit. What gets me is why they never asked his name. Like, surely that's the first thing you do when you meet someone, right? Ask them, sorry, what, what's your name? But anyway, here they are, they're chatting along to him, and he's becoming like a close friend to them. So they say to him, hey, 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 look, it's getting dark. It's getting dark. Come on, come to our house. We'll, we'll give you a meal. We'll, we'll feed you. And then you can go in the morning on a journey. And, and, and Jesus says, okay, then. So they go to Cleopas and his friend's house, and there's a, there's a meal laid out before them. And Jesus, probably because he's kind of shown his authority and his spiritual, like, powers, um, hosts the meal. He sits in the seat of the, the host, as he has often done in Luke's gospel. And verse 30, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it. The same words, the same way the feeding of 5,000, he, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it. The, the same words as, as when he did the last supper, took bread, Gave thanks, broke it. And in that moment, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Can you imagine the delight on their face? They're like, Jesus, you're here. And then he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> he's just gone. And like, imagine that table after he's, he's gone. Like, first, the like shock and like dumbfounded silence. Like, what? It's turning to like, like, like joy and tears of delight. And then I think hysterical laughter. Because they're like, oh my word, how did we miss it? Of course it was Jesus all along. Like, mm, no one else knows the Bible like you. Oh my word, we're so... And then, then they come up with a plan. Verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And remember what time this is, right? This is late evening, like night time. They don't want Jesus traveling at night because, because well, in those days, rule one, don't travel at night. Night is dangerous. I mean, there's no, like, artificial lights out there, no warm glow of, of bright and hove keeping you um, nice and lit up. It, it's dark, proper dark. Mug, muggers and robbers all around. And they've got to go seven miles. That's a long way to walk. And yet, they go down this dark path towards a city where, where all that was there last time was death, despair, and darkness. They're going into that darkness and death with the light of resurrection hope in their hearts. Like, Easter makes us live our lives differently. Their whole plans have been, like, flipped upside down. They're like, right, that's it. We're off. They cannot wait to get back for two reasons, I think. One, to celebrate. They want to celebrate with their friends with the 11. They want to tell them this brilliant news to share and joyfully sing it out together. Which is why I think it's brilliant that we're all here tonight to sing. And that's why there's so much singing tonight, because it is a good thing to celebrate that Jesus lives. They want to celebrate with their friends. But equally, there are people back there who haven't heard this news yet, who don't know that he's alive. And so they want to share that joy around. And so they go seven miles to share that joy. 
for some of us, we might not have to go seven miles to share a joy with someone who hasn't heard it. It might be the house next door, or, or, or the desk mate who does English with us in our, at school. Who could we share this resurrection joy with this Easter? And maybe you're not feeling like celebrating, maybe not feeling like sharing at the moment. Well, here's what I think Easter's supposed to do to us. We've sung about it a little bit today already. Um, Easter sort of shakes us up. It shakes us up. Like when Jesus died, there was an earthquake. When he rose again, there was an earthquake. Um, it shakes us up and gets us like really, really. <laughs> Sorry, boss. Um, it shakes us up, shakes us up. And then it's meant to make us explode and fizz up in celebratory joy and excitement. We moved the table earlier for a reason. Um, that's what it's meant to do to us. Easter, looking at Jesus, the living God, walking and breathing, the one who has beaten death forever. It's meant to shake us up with joyful celebration to share. Um, and here's why. Because I think my favorite verse in all of this is verse 30. I absolutely love it. Love it. It's Jesus doing what he's done all throughout Luke's gospel. He's sitting, eating with his disciples. That's what he does. The resurrected Jesus sitting and eating with his disciples. And if you're a Christian trusting in the risen Lord Jesus, that's our future. That's a little foretaste, a little sample, a little picture into our glorious future. Because one day, when we die, we'll be raised to life again. And we'll be seated at this heavenly banquet, looking at our risen Lord and Savior. We'll be eating with him in an everlasting banquet of joy and delight. That's the Christian hope. And that hope of the future makes us live differently here and now. As Christians, we are going to get to eat with our God. Sin, death, done away with pain, sadness, gone. A feast of life with our Savior. Come on. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sample that feast together in communion. Father, thank you so much that Jesus is alive. He's alive right now, and one day for his children, for, those, for your children, those trusting in the Lord Jesus, we were invited to that banquet to eat with the Lord Jesus forever. What a glorious hope we have. And Father, please would Easter shake us up. To, to celebrate with joy and share with joy the wonderful news, the wonderful hope that we have. Because this is it's life-changing. Amen.